Thanks for listening to the City Collective Podcast. We hope that this message from Pastor Jason Charles and the City Collective team challenges and inspires you. Enjoy. I am grateful to be able to be here this weekend. Uh, Thanks for taking time to join us. We are in the midst of our series on Jacob, as Derek mentioned, and we're walking through his story. And I love the story of Jacob and what we've kind of navigated so far because it's a story that is really meaningful to where we are, who we are in our own journey today. It's one that doesn't have all of the edges perfectly carved off. It doesn't feel so nice at times. It doesn't feel like we have it all put together. And that is the story of Jacob all the way through. Uh, Yesterday we had the two of our very own and Daniel and Samara get married off at the boathouse. They're not here, but let's give them like a, a big cheer. I'm glad they're not here to be completely honest because their wedding was yesterday. So... Uh, And we'll see them around soon enough. But today we're continuing with this series. And up to this point, uh, it's become abundantly clear that the chosen family uh, of Abraham, the one with all the promises, the one in which a miracle has taken place with a child, and they seem to be fairly affluent, and they have finances all around them. They have all these great things going along in, in their story, but yet there's a tremendous amount of dysfunction in this family. And we've walked through four weeks of it, and this past week, we looked at the idea of destiny, and how from the very beginning, God gave Jacob's mom, Rebecca, this prompt, this idea that your younger son is going to rule over the older son. And then she kind of takes things into her own hands and begins to force destiny, it seems, into place. And we ask the question, if it is the destiny for her, if it is the will of God, is it okay to find shortcuts and to force our way to get to that place? And and I would like to say that it's no in the midst of that. But we we have foresight and we know the story of Jacob and we know where he ends up. And he gets to the place that God intends, but not because of his indiscretions, but in spite of his indiscretions. And so we talked more about that idea of destiny this week. But now we find our family of Abraham. We find Jacob and Rebecca and Isaac and Esau. And they're, they're displaced and they're separated. A family torn apart. And this idea of family is one that is so intensely part of our church today, our culture today. Family that is hurting, that is learning, that is growing. It's okay, little man. I feel that sometimes too. <laughs> But the idea of family is one that we're constantly having to navigate in our culture. And I think sometimes when we think of the Bible uh, and we think about the idea of God, we, we have this concept of this perfection that we're invited into or we're, we're trying to be led, in, led towards. But when you read it at face value, when we look at the stories in the Bible, there is a tremendous amount of dysfunction. Families torn apart because of decisions that are incredibly selfish. Um, Parents that are at odds, that are picking favorites along the way and causing relationships to be torn apart. And now we find Jacob. Jacob's stolen the birthright and he's stolen the blessing. Esau, he's not so happy, the brother of Jacob. And Jacob knows that he's got to go away. And so he runs away and and he's going on his way to see his uncle Laban. And that's where we kind of pick it up in the story. But I want you to catch the gravity of this, that where we find Jacob right now is 
seems to be the complete opposite of all that God has promised for this family beforehand. And perhaps in your own story here today, you feel like you've been given a promise by God. You've had great moments in previous situations that have seemed to make you believe that there is something good for your life. And then you have made decisions along the way that have somehow sabotaged it in your mind. That have made you believe that you have gone too far away from the path of the promise that God would never bring you back to where he wants you to go. But let me say this to you right now, that the story of Jacob is one that he makes decision after decision after decision that seems to be wrong, but yet God stays right beside him at every step of the journey. So let's jump right into the scripture. Let's go into Genesis chapter 28. You can follow along on the screen in the sky. Starting in verse 10, and it says this. It says, Jacob left Beersheba and went to Tehran, and he came to a certain place and stayed there at that night. Because the sun had set, taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. First of all, I love pillows. That is an awful pillow. Anyways, continue. And he dreamed and behold, there was a ladder. There's some versions that say a stairway. Stairway to heaven. I hope the song plays through your mind. There, there was a ladder set up on the earth and the, the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. And will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until... I have done what I have promised you. Let's pray real quick. Jesus, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the story of Jacob and how your word speaks into our own stories. And I just pray right now that our hearts are open and ready to receive the thoughts that you have for us, that inclination that you're trying to stir inside of us, that, that conviction that you're pushing us towards. Wherever you're guiding us individually, I just pray that the Holy Spirit is in the midst of it all. We're grateful for you. Thank you for all that you're doing. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so uh, I'm, I'm okay with surprises. Uh, I think I do fairly well with them in general. Uh, surprises which are meant for good, such like a surprise birthday party, are better than surprises that are meant for bad. You're walking into your home, you have a sibling jump out of a corner, try and scare you. You show off what you would actually do in that moment, and it's not a good move. move. It's like a karate chop that is not going to hurt anyone. But I think I do... In, well with surprises in general. And sometimes I think I overestimate my ability to stay calm, cool, and collected in the midst of a surprise. And uh, this wasn't something that I thought about during the week, but I had a surprise take place yesterday. So uh, I, I had the privilege of officiating the wedding that we were at uh, yesterday, and it was going swimmingly all the way through. And there's a couple things that I kind of like a nightmare in some sense, of what could go wrong in a ceremony in this situation. So we're at the UBC Boathouse, and we're on the dock. And so before at the rehearsal, di uh, rehearsal dinner and then in the days leading up to it, the only thing I was thinking about was, like, just don't drop the ring in the water. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. And so it's going great all the way through. And then uh, we get to the part where I'm I asked 
can, can, you, can I have the rings, please? And uh, best man comes over, places it right on top of my book, and it slides down a little bit, but it's still on there. I was like, okay, I'm good, I'm good. Simultaneously, in this moment, a flock of seagulls comes across the water above the entire ceremony and bombs the entire ceremony from a distance. The wind was in motion, and it left a nice little mark on some individuals. The MC of the whole reception actually had to change her dress because she got a direct hit right on. And so one kind of like lands beside me, one bullet, and splashes up, catches my shoulder. I look down, ring moves down, ring falls to the ground, starts rolling towards the edge of the dock. I'm like, what do I do? I've got like a mic, I've got my iPad. I'm like, how, how do I do this? Best man comes over, he's trying to save it. The, the bride was really great about it. She's like, it's good, he's from Claire's, it's not the real one. <laughs> And, but I'm panicking in this moment. Like, what do I do? Luckily, we got it. We're like, okay, this is good. This is good. This is good. I'm like, calm, cool, collected. We're good. Do the ring thing. Have them say the things that they need to say to each other to make it legal. Okay, good. Moving on. And then I, I speak into the mic, and the mic, it's not working. I'm like, okay, well, that's fine. That's better than the rings falling into the water. And I try again. Nothing, nothing. I was like, okay, I can work with this. And we went and we did communion right away as a... Uh, as the three of us, and it was great. And normally at this moment of a ceremony, you probably have someone to come up and sing or a song play or just something to draw people's attention as we're having a moment to ourselves during communion. Well, the, the sound guy walks over to me. He's like, yeah, it's not just your mic. The power is out in the whole building. <laughs> and so we go over, and we got to have communion in dead silence. <laughs> <laughs> And it was wonderful. And you know what, people that were there, they did a great job of, like, keeping spirits up and keeping conversations going. And then we returned, and you do the whole shebang of kiss the bride, introduce the couple. And then what normally happens after that? Some kind of party music starts as they walk down the aisle, and you introduce, and they start walking, and it's crickets because <laughs> there's no music. So what do we do? Keep clapping. Keep clapping. And so they clapped all the way through the bridesmaids and all the way through the parents, and it was great. It was wonderful. But uh, you know what? I picture that, that moment and the idea of a surprise that I would be calm, cool, and collected, but maybe it came out fairly well on the outside. I can, I can only say what I felt in that moment. And I was not calm, cool, and collected in that moment. When you have something that surprises you, when you have something unexpected take place, that you have an expectation of what it's going to look like, and then the opposite takes place, it is something that actually aggravates you on the inside. I feel like I had nightmares last night about that ring actually falling into the water. But what do you, what do, you do when you are surprised? when something unexpected takes place. After, after verse 15, Jacob has this moment. So he ends up at this certain place is what the Bible says. And he, and he falls asleep and he has this dream. And it's this intense dream of angels ascending and descending from heaven. And then he wakes up and, and he says, surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. You know what? Jacob's got a pretty, pretty good response to an unexpected 
moment because he would go on to build an altar. But let's remember this. Let's remember what has just taken place. Jacob is responsible for the tearing part of his family. He has fled for his life. He is wandering and he's on the run. And he has a general idea of where he's going, but the spot where he ends up in our story is is not a familiar one. If you had gone through this sequence of events with Jacob, what would your expectation of God be in this moment? Who do you perceive God to be in this situation? How would he respond to you hurting people around you? Jacob has done everything wrong, it seems. And yet the response of God reveals so much more than how he feels about Jacob, but how God feels about us. And the character of God towards all of humanity. Because he, he comes not in, the, in this dream to scold and to be angry at Jacob in this moment. But he comes with a promise and a reminder. A reminder given to his grandfather that he reiterates to Jacob in this moment. As if to say, you might feel as if you have ruined everything that was once promised to you and to your family. That you have done everything possible to go the wrong way. But the real truth of this is, is that I am in control of it all. And my heart for you remains the same. That my promises for you remain the same. Even though you have made the mistakes along the way, I still stay the same. And that's a powerful truth for our own lives. Because we live in a world where our decisions seem to drive our situations up and down. And the responses of the people around us, even those that we love, don't have that same linear feel to it. There's highs and there's lows. There's angry responses. There's hurtful responses. There's sad responses. And God feels those things. And he he, he cares deeply. But in the midst of it all... God remains the same. And the story of Jacob, when the unexpected takes place, he would not have expected that his decision to steal the birthright and the blessing would have actually torn apart his family. And then he would not have expected to end up in this certain place. But the most unexpected part of this whole story is not the action of Jacob, but his thought that maybe... God would respond differently, but God was the unexpected bit. That he did not respond with anger and with judgment and with guilt or with shame. He responds with a promise. That your life that you thought you have ruined. The decisions that you thought have set you back are not too far gone for me. So he ends up at this, this certain place, and, and the Bible talks about, and rabbis and historians, they, they talk about this certain place, but uh, the, the key in all of this is he stumbles upon this certain place, and it isn't a designated spot. He's just on his journey to where he wanted to go to meet his uncle. And the whole point of this story is that God shows up 
where we least expect him to. He's on his journey, he's wandering, he's running away, and that was the moment where God decides to show up. And this is what we do. We believe that our experiences with God are isolated to doing the right thing, being in the right space, having the right words. But the true character of God is not isolated to certain spaces or certain environments, and it's not isolated to certain circumstances. It exists above and beyond and within everything because God always wants to interrupt those unexpected moments of our life where we most need to hear that voice say, I love you and I'm with you, I'm for you and not against you, and I'm still in your story even though you're running away. This would seem like the last moment in which Jacob would actually hear the voice of God. He's away from his family. He's running. He's done everything wrong. And yet God interrupts him with this unexpected promise for him. Maybe you have felt along your week, month, year as if you have been wandering farther and farther and farther away. That you have not gone into the right places. That you have created tough circumstances. That your decisions have led you farther and farther away from this perceived promise of God for your life. But the hope that is found in Jesus, the hope that is found in God alone is that he is going to show up when you least expect it with the exact thing that you need to hear. Because the thing that was broken in Jacob was the idea that he had taken away the promise of his family, but that was reiterated as a promise that was still given through that moment of unexpected promise. What have you given up on simply because you feel like you've done it the wrong way? You've said the wrong thing. You've had a tough moment. Maybe life seems to have overwhelmed you and then you haven't been able to do what you've just wanted to do. Build, build a family. Find the right job. Be a part of a church. Serve in a church. Serve in your community. Do, do these things that we believe are, are part of living a good life. And we feel like we've fallen short over and over again. Maybe it's the way that you've spoken to someone. Maybe in a moment of anger, you didn't have a a leveled response. But the way that you spoke to them really fragmented a relationship. And now you've believed that it's too far gone. But the promise of God is that he is not done with you yet. That he sees the hurt in that relationship. And all he wants to do is heal it. He'll heal what's in your heart and what's in their heart. He wants you to experience this beautiful sense of reconciliation and hope. Even in the story of Jacob, when there's two brothers that are fragmented and pulled apart, as we follow along, and we'll get there later on in the series, but we'll, we'll see these two brothers that come back together. That even when you have made mistakes that have hurt the people that you care about in your life, God still has a story for you that brings healing and reconciliation back into it. And sometimes we need the reminder of these these stories and the reminders from our own lives. These promises that have been given to you. Do you know the promises of God that are for you? Have you experienced these moments where you feel so clearly that you know that God is so desperately in love with you. And that is a great thing to have. those, Those moments are important to experience. But... I know for myself that there are days and there are weeks where I wake up and I don't feel that again. 
I don't, I don't feel that joy from that moment. I don't feel that love from that moment. But those moments, they matter. Because we can remember and we can reflect. In Genesis 32, after there's been a, a long sequence of events, God invites Jacob and he says to him, I want you to return to Bethel. I want you to remember what I said to you. I want you to remember the promise I gave to you. I, had you, I, I wanted to remind you once, I'm going to remind you again. And maybe today's a reminder for some of you. A reminder just from the simple fact, the simple statement that you are unconditionally and desperately loved by a God that came specifically for you. That the idea of grace, unconditional love so that you can experience relationship with God and with each other in a whole new way is possible for you still. That he wants to so desperately know you. And maybe you are having a tough time with unexpected moments and there's seagulls flying over and they're firing bullets and they're splashing up at you and you're dropping rings and you're having nightmares about it falling off in a dock into the water. Maybe you're having all that and more, whatever context it is in your own story. And then you wake up the next morning and you still have a pit in your stomach because you're still thinking about that ring that should, could have ended up in the water. And you're, and you're not really showing yourself grace in this moment. I should have responded better. I should have said the right thing. I know what would have been the right thing to do in this moment. And we have so little grace for ourselves. And when we have no grace for ourselves, it's, we have trouble accepting the idea of grace from God. And it's even harder to show grace to others. Sometimes the reminder and the promise of God is simply meant to lead us to this place of accepting grace. He's just reminding you this morning that I love you so that you can start actually loving yourself through the mistake, through the failure, through the tough moment, the tough word spoken. He wants us to experience that in a new way every single day. Uh, in the scripture it says, a ladder going up to heaven. But I, I, honestly, I like the picture of a stairway a little better because it says ascending and descending. And there's been centuries Upon centuries of conversation around this scripture, and what is what is it actually saying? Are, are they are they beings floating around, going up and down, just chanting hallelujah? What what is actually going on? But but the most uh, beautiful thought that I've read on this topic is just the simple idea that God was reminding Jacob that the promise that I gave to you might seem to you as if it's been sabotaged, that you've done everything wrong along the way. But let me show you that I'm at work in the world. That I have so much going on outside of your understanding, outside of your view. That you, there's so many moments in your life. Have, have you thought about this? That where you are today, did you perfectly set it up so that you could end up at this exact moment? 
Did you have everything so logically put together that you're like, yes, on June 30th, that's the date, <laughs> I'm going to end up at City Collective listening to this brown guy talking about Jesus. As if we've got our lives perfectly ordered to get to this spot. But I, I don't know about you, but for myself, when I reflect upon my story, who I am, what I've gone through, the relationships I have in my life, I can do nothing but just have gratitude in my heart of a God that's working outside of my viewpoint. Ascending and descending in and around a part of the world that we're in in such a beautiful way, advocating for us even when we get it wrong. And they're reminding us that the promises that I have for you then are the promises I have for you now. The goal of God is never to scold us or beat us back into submission or to guilt us back onto the path of righteousness. God is instead speaking directly into Jacob's ongoing inclination to strive for significance through material possessions, through, through relationships that he, he was manipulating in his life and in his importance in society. That striving is not the way of knowing God. God's strategy is not to scold you, to make you feel bad and push you closer to him somehow. It's not to scold you onto the right path. It's actually to free you from that compulsion to think that grasping and grabbing for more will get you where you want to go. Instead of just listening in moments when we need to listen. Leaning in moments where we need to lean. I think there's moments in our life where we are in this deep place of despair. I know Jacob has the birthright. He kind of got what he wanted. He got the blessing, got what he wanted. But now he's separated from his mother, who he desperately loves. And there's, there's this despair that he's feeling. And I think we can, we can resonate with Jacob that sometimes we get what we want and we don't experience what we thought it would be like. We get the job that we always hoped for and then it doesn't give us the joy that we thought it would give us. We start the family that we always wanted and it doesn't give us the significance that we thought it would. We start that friendship again and it seems to be whole and wonderful, but it doesn't seem to fulfill us in the way that it should according to the way we had planned it. And then we continue on in life and there's this hopelessness that starts to build inside of us. If I hadn't done it this way, maybe it would, it would have been better. But hope is not found in the things that we do. Hope is found in Jesus alone. If, if the foundation of your hope is always based upon you doing the right thing, then your hope will be so dependent on the wrong thing. But when we can find a hope and a resting place with a relationship with Jesus, 
to know him. Not simply saying a, a God in the sky that's looking down on us and saying, hey, you can come and say hi to me every once in a while. I'm saying a relationship where you are spending time to actually hear where that, what that promise is for your life. That encouragement that you need. That hope that you need to move forward. In some ways, I think that the idea of a God that's beside us at all times can actually be incredibly uncomfortable. <laughs> it's like that parent that's nearby and we do something wrong and we feel a little bit ashamed and we don't want them to actually see. That we go through the actual rhythms of life and we're, we're not sure if we want God to actually notice that we fell a little short. I think that part of our struggle with that, that line of thinking is not understanding the heart of God towards us. That's why I love this story. That it tells me that God is not looking to make you feel bad for the things that you've done. But he's looking to draw you back to him. For you to discover that you are desperately loved. For Jacob, he made so many decisions along the way, striving for a sense of significance, sense of purpose, sense of value with his family, with his friends. Well, we don't know if he has any friends at this point, but, <laughs> but with his family and with the legacy that was upon his life, he was searching to be a part of it in a way that would make him feel significant. And it led him down the series of decisions that have led him to this place where he's having to run. But the question I have for you is, is what's, what is your why behind the things that you do? Why do you work hard? What is it that drives you? Are they healthy markers? Are they from a place of actually trying to move towards the heart of God? I know for myself, I can have this really unhealthy push in my life where I'm driven to do things out of a place of comparison. I can look at the way other people do things, the way other pastors might speak or churches might do things or families might operate or relationships might function and I would compare and find value in my story based upon the things that they do and I would somehow mark my own success based upon reaching the things that they have done. And this, this striving for significance is such a debilitating thing that you experience over and over and over again. But it's why we're reminded to look at the promise of God for our life that it doesn't leave us even when we don't measure up to what we believe is success or significance. And the phrase as I was reading this passage for myself that just kind of came was stop trying so hard to prove yourself to yourself. Because the thing is, God didn't show up at Bethel, a place where he takes this nap. He didn't show up there after Jacob got there. But he was already there. And to me, that's a comforting thing to, to think about. That wherever life takes me, God is already there. 
with a comforting hand, an outstretched arm, a sense of love for you to experience. God is already there. And for, for us this morning, whether it's a promise you need to remember that was given to you long ago that we need to have bring back to the forefront and believe that God is still for that promise in your life. Whether it's decisions that you've made along the way that you feel have somehow forfeited the promise that was given to allow yourself to experience grace and to actually forgive yourself and believe that that promise is still for you. In all of it, would that we would be a people that would have a revelation of that love over and over and over again so that we can lean into the promise of, that God has for us. Would you pray with me? So Father, thank you for all that you give to us so freely. A sense of love, a sense of hope. And wherever we find ourselves this morning, that perhaps this idea of unconditional love seems so foreign and so impossible that we haven't seen it in the world around us so we can't experience it through you, that we've come to that conclusion. I pray right now that there is that revelation of, of love and of hope in our hearts right now. And for the promises that seem so lost, or the promises that seem like they are off, off the tracks, uncertain, so becoming more and more impossible. I pray that there is a sense of hope that starts to build in our community, into each individual heart that's here, that your hope would overwhelm us with the possibility that you are still saying yes to the promises that you've given to us, that you never leave us nor forsake us, and that your love is always around us. I pray that we would just lean into that today, that we'd come to know you more and more, that we listen to that small, still voice that wants to encourage us in every season. We're grateful. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the City Collective Podcast. We hope you enjoyed that message. Please subscribe to stay up to date with every weekly message. For more information on City Collective, please visit www.citycollective.com. Or, if you're in the greater Vancouver area, come visit us for Sunday. You can find more about our church and how you can get involved with what God is doing in the Lower Mainland. Have a great day.